This episode is made possible by our sponsors, CSU Ramzone, powered by the CSU Bookstore, a great sponsor of our Pick'em and Bracket Contest all year long, Ginger and Baker, which is our favorite restaurant on the planet, and of course, our title sponsor of this podcast, Peterson Toyota. It's 2024, and you may be thinking this is the year for a new car. Well, let me introduce you to the all-new 2024 Land Cruiser with no fuss, no muss, just the way you remember it, with prices starting in the mid-$50,000 range. Land Cruiser brings back the thrill and excitement of exploring unfamiliar terrain with its remarkable capabilities and legendary reliability, while paying homage to its historic roots of over 65 years. Peterson Toyota can hook you up with a test drive. They're your local Toyota dealer serving Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tenmouth. They've been doing so for more than 50 years. Not only will you find the latest Toyota models, you'll also find friendly and accommodating staff eager to assist you. You'll also receive first-class attention, whether it be for a service appointment, help picking out the right part for your Toyota, or test driving a new or pre-owned vehicle. Whatever you're looking for, Peterson's expert staff will help you find the one that's right for you, all at competitive pricing and financing. Peterson strives to be the best in everything they do, and they will take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please get Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Cantalamessa. Today, we've got a good show for you. We'll have on Joe Parker, CSU's athletic director. Mike Rowe and I will have a great conversation with him coming up in a few minutes. We're going to ask him about the seemingly low-announced attendance attendance at Tuesday night's basketball game. It seemed like a much larger crowd than, than 5,100 people, but uh, we'll ask him about that. We'll ask him what they're doing to keep Nico again. It seemed like we ask him that every week or every month. Uh, and I know that's something that you guys are all curious about. We'll ask him about how the basketball TV selection process process works because we're as miffed as you guys are that the next three games will not be on TV. We'll also ask about the implications of the Oregon State and Washington State presidents announcing that they're going to put their non-football athletic programs in the West Coast Conference for a couple of years rather than align with the Mountain West. We'll also ask about the uh, NIL versus athletic specific donations, because that's, that's a question I have. It's a question people have, like, should I be putting my money towards NIL? Should I put it into the Ram club? You know, so we'll ask all those things. Plus some, some questions you guys have submitted on the message boards recently as well. It's our first podcast of 2024. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been on basically because we filled in a day for Brady Hall our last week for his show while he was out. That was fun. Although a little stressful, dealing with clocks and and commercial breaks, and you know you gotta you gotta decide on the fly. Do I have time to squeeze in one more question? Maybe risk getting that our uh, interviewee getting cut off. So th- those things are, are a little more stressful. You definitely have to prepare. I don't know how he does that every day, three hours, but uh, that's why we love him. He does a good job over there, and he covers so much great Ram talk. And and I highly encourage you if you don't listen to Brady Hall, tune in. He has, he has a lot to offer CSU fans for sure. But we had um, three great conversations that day. We had Susie Wargen on, and uh, we talked a lot about the Broncos with her and the Russell Wilson dynamic of him getting benched. We also had uh, Braden Fowler-Nicolosi on. It was really good talking to, to, to BFN. And then we also had Jeff Grammer from the Albuquerque Journal on to talk Mountain West hoops. And of course, Steve Ivey, the swole cracker himself, joined us in studio for that final hour as we interviewed Jeff um, so good stuff there talking about hoops. But uh, one thing about BFN, we had a little bit of a technical difficulties. He had a couple bad connections on his phone call, but so we had to get it back. And that's another stress that you're trying to deal with. All stuff that we don't have to deal with when you're deal- dealing with the podcast. I can edit, I can delete, I can stop, I can restart. But when you're on live <laughs> live radio, uh, you're, you're dealing with it uh, and all the repercussions that come with it. So anyway, we got him back on. We asked one of the things I really wanted to know was, look, you, there was a report that you were offered $600,000 to transfer, go to another school. What made you want to stay at CSU? And essentially uh, what it came down, he says, look, I, I looked at the reason why anybody would be interested in me transferring. Uh, and the reason why I was attractive as a transfer was because of the program that I'm in and the coaches who have put me in a position to succeed and the scheme that we're in and the way that we throw the ball around, those are all the reasons why anyone would even be paying attention to my numbers and being interested as me in me as a, a sophomore next year. He goes, the grass isn't always greener. I want to be loyal to my coaches. I love my coaches. I love my teammates. And he wanted to make a statement to his team that, look, 
we have, we have a few guys that are leaving and, and he doesn't begrudge anybody for doing what's best for them. He goes, but for me, staying was the best thing for me. And he loved the fact that Tori Horton was also staying and how talked about how important it was that both those guys made those announcements, um, announcements and same with JRS, Justice Ross Simmons, who said he was staying and just getting that out there to the teammates and just saying, look, we're committed. We want everyone to be committed. There's big things to come. I just thought it was really, really mature of him. Um, I love the loyalty in this day and age, you're not going to have a lot of that, but when you can get the key guys to stay loyal and to speak that way, I was impressed. I was really impressed by that. So check it out. It's all available. If you go to the Brady Hall show on any of your podcast platforms, you can check out those recordings, but a couple of great interviews and conversations that day as well. The hoops game on Tuesday night, the 5,100 fans in attendance that they announced. Um, I know that the it sure seemed to me like it was bigger. Uh, the only the couple of the corners were, were a little bit more sparse, but overall, it certainly seemed bigger than that. There was a lot of commentary on the post game. Brian uh, Roth had mentioned, you know, even though it was announced as a smaller crowd, the crowd made up for it in noise um, and energy. I actually disagreed with that a bit. Um, yes, it did get loud at key moments. But I thought in general, it was just missing that underlying energy throughout the game. The beginning of the game was dead. It just felt like it was lacking. And there were periods during the game where it just felt like a morgue. I mean, you could hear a pin drop as the game was being played. Just didn't have that usual buzz that you would have when the students are full. So I, I was like, this, this, is, this is scary, you know, because uh, New Mexico came out with an inspired effort right off the tip. They came out ready to play. They hit some shots. They were playing tough defense. CCU got off to a little bit of a slow start. And I thought this, the combination of you, uh, New Mexico being able to hit shots and play defense like that with a um, less than stellar crowd, I thought it was going to be tough. But this team is just so impressive. They don't have guys that go off for 30 points regularly, right? They just play well as a team. And it's really a privilege to watch the way that they move the ball. They share the ball. They play great team defense. And I think that's why CSU is becoming the darlings of the national media. You look on social media and there are national pundits that rave about the style of basketball being played in Fort Collins. That is helped drastically by a fifth year senior in Isaiah Stevens. He just gives you comfort knowing that when he's out there, this team's not going to lay an egg. They're going to come to play. He got everything under control. When things get bad, you can get the ball in his hands and everything just calms down. And he's just complimented so well by some of these older guys, these transfers. Nick Clifford has been a, just an amazing fill-in. Joel Scott has just gives you um, another level uh, at, at the big position. And then you've got guys that are coming off the bench where you don't really lose any productivity. Um, Joe Palmer always brings great energy off the bench, but I thought the defensive energy uh, and efforts off the bench by Bemba and Tavy Jackson on Tuesday were huge. And I just love that this team accepts its roles for the sake of winning. And I hope that lasts. I think they have the character on this team that it will last throughout the season. Um, you could, there certainly could be a few guys that would grumble because they're used to getting more minutes. I think that they're all enamored with the winning ways. Uh, they're, they're being, re it's reflected in the national standings, the national rankings, the net rankings. So so it's impressive. I the, the other funny thing is um, I, I thought that this little Twitter battle, uh, the social media battle between CSU basketball and CU basketball uh, this week has been funny. The, the guys in Boulder on the CU Buffs Twitter account um, made a little comment about uh, last week and how the best point guards come to Boulder to play. Their social media accounts have been pumping up. KJ Simpson actually made kind of an incorrect statement that He's the only one in the country to be shooting 56.3% from the field, 47.9% from the field, from three-point range, and 85.9% from the free throw line. They neglected to acknowledge that just down the road, that Neat Clifford is 55, 45, and 85 in those same categories. It's a pretty big gaffe considering Neat just played for the Buffs last year, and I, 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 I suspect it wasn't a gaffe. I think it was more of a shot, or somehow they just completely overlooked it, which was a joke. Uh, Neil Wolk was, I think, the one behind that. He backtracked later saying that he forgot to put in a qualifier of, of uh, a minimum of five field goals a game. But uh, so then today, uh, CSU's Twitter or X.com account trolled back again and uh, added that a second CSU player now meets those same metrics. Pat Cartier um, 
is one of two players in the nation shooting 55 field goals, uh, 55% field goals, 45% from three and 85% free throws uh, with a minimum of five field goals made a game. So they threw that in there. So I love a good natured social media battle. Pretty funny, but uh, so lots of good stuff. Um, it's so fun to be watching good basketball. We're going to get this all season long. I think New Mexico is really good. Um, it, clearly the foul trouble on Jalen house hurt them. Uh, he can light it up quickly. And you saw him do that. once he got back on the court, uh, he was in his foul trouble. So he sat out a lot of the game. They put him in late and he just started lighting up the, the scoreboard real quick. But I thought his antics were a little babyish for sure. He was getting after it with the crowd a little bit. His emotions run high. I'm sure he was frustrated with the foul trouble that he had and getting, you know, he came back in after sitting for most of the first half. And then part of the second half comes in, picks up a quick fourth foul, starts yelling at uh, his coach to leave him in the effing game. They did not. They took him out. Then he punched the chair, went off to the locker room for a little bit, came back, um, seemed to calm down. And when he got in the game, he, he affected it. thought it was funny that after the game, um, he went over to some fans that were ribbing him throughout the game, kind of talking smack with them all game. And he went up and pretend like he was going to give him a high five and did the little whiff thing behind the head and was kind of laughing about it. So I, I, I thought that was funny. It was good to see he was being good natured about it, especially probably in the heat of a loss. But uh, that team is talented. They'll win a lot of games. They definitely play a different brand of basketball than CSU does. I mean, they defend well. They they create turnovers. But offensively, they don't have near the sharing of the ball. It's a lot more one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so it's different. It's a different brand. And they've got a lot of guys that just want to shoot, right, and, and get, their, get their points. They did kill CSU with the pick and roll. But the Rams really clamped down the second half. They did what they do. And they wore, they wore them down with depth. And that's going to be the case. CSU's depth is just a weapon. So the Rams will face Utah State at 7 p.m. Mountain Time Saturday. That's going to be streamed on the Mountain West Network. After their win over uh, New Mexico Tuesday night, they've moved up to 15th in the net rankings. They came into the week number 13 in the AP, number 14 in the coaches. It's just you can't buy this publicity that they're getting uh, six weeks in a row of being in the polls. Utah State, by the way, just a really surprising, interesting story this year. Especially you lose coach Ryan Odom. Everyone thought he was, you know, a really good coach. He was a very good coach. But you lose him after two years to go to VCU. Utah State returned no returning minutes and somehow is 13-1 and one this year. They rolled Air Force at the Academy Tuesday, 88-60. to 60. And while their non-conference slate it has not been that impressive uh, this year, you know, their lone loss, I think, uh, was an overtime loss at Bradley. Uh, and their best wins came over San Francisco, a good team, at Santa Clara. They won at Santa Clara, and they beat Cal Irvine. Those are the, the basically the hallmarks of their 13-game uh, win streak. Or not streak, their, their win tally. But they're doing it with no returning players uh, with any real experience. It's just stunning. First-year coach Danny Sprinkle came from Montana State. Hit the transfer portal. He's hit on a bunch of good players. He's benefiting from great play from the Montana State transfers. He brought over two guys, uh, a wing, great Osabor, and guard Darius Brown. Osabor is averaging 17 points a game. Brown's averaging nearly 11. They got two other guys averaging double-digit points in senior guard Ian Martinez, almost 13 points a game, and freshman guard Mason Fauslev at 11 points a game. The Aggies are looking, you know, like they're positioning themselves or getting in position to be in position, as Nico likes to say, to make a surprise return at the NCAA tournament after losing to Missouri last year in Sacramento. It would be a really amazing feat considering most people left them for dead when Ryan Odom suddenly left them for dead at the end of last season. Consider how amazing this is. Ryan Odom was just two years into his five-year contract and a week after making the NCAA tournament, he immediately goes out the door to VCU. And before that, before he got here two years ago, it was Craig Smith leaving three years into his contract. He left for Utah after two NCAA tournaments. You know, but what's harder to stomach is with Odom, it wasn't a case of a coach leaving for a high major job. It was going to a school in the Atlantic 10, which is not as strong of a conference as the Mountain West. But I think Odom does have ties to the area, having worked previously there at Virginia Tech and American University. 
I think he, I haven't been able to find if he got a, a big jump in salary. I'm assuming that there had, that had to be something factored in there, but still an odd departure, but uh, good to see coach Sprinkle, Danny Sprinkle, keeping Utah state playing good basketball. The team leads needs strong teams throughout Utah state's got that basketball brand. So um, I like the fact that they are hitting the ground running and that should be a heck of a game. It's going to be tough uh, at the spectrum. It's never easy to play there. Never easy to win there. Uh, I believe the students will still be out. Uh, so maybe the, the raucousness of that arena may not be what it might normally be, but um, we will find out. The Rams need to be at their best. We'll see if they get Josiah Strong back. It would be great to have a full complement of players, have your full roster. He just adds another shooting touch uh, from the outside, and obviously his defense is one of the best on the team. So that could really impact and take, uh, and take the Rams uh, to the next level. So lastly, the women coming off their tough overtime loss at San Diego State last week. Uh, they host UNLV at Moby this Saturday. It's a 1 p.m. tip-off. That's also on the Mountain West Network. And that one is actually picked up by Local 3, the TV channel in Denver. So interesting that they are getting their games picked up off the streaming platform onto local television, but the men have not. We'll ask, uh, we'll ask Joe Parker about that when we have him on here shortly. All right, before we catch up with Mike Rowe and Joe Parker, let me tell you about Ginger and Baker. Stop in for an amazing dinner at the Cash, where you can enjoy fine steaks, chops, good whiskey, or select from their award-winning wine list. And the cafe restaurant just dropped their winter menu a couple weeks ago. Come on in for some of Chef Ryan's comfort food done right. Some of the highlights include tiramisu French toast, sloppy Joe egg rolls, pumpkin apple bisque, bison chili, quinoa stuffed squash, blackened salmon, and ginger, ginger and Baker's classic pot pie roast made with Wagyu beef. Ginger Baker also features a coffee shop, event spaces, a market, and a teaching kitchen, the latter of which has great events all month long, but they sell out quick, so you got to get in early. I mean, listen to some of these upcoming classes they have next week, pasta from scratch, winter in Paris, Italian countryside cooking, the perfect steak, Asian street food, and much more. Check out gingerandbaker.com slash calendar for a full list of classes and other events. This place is amazing, guys. Support our friend, Ginger Graham. Treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, super happy to welcome in CSU Athletic Director Joe Parker. Joe, it's been a month now. Hope uh, hope your holidays were good. Happy New Year. How has your little break been? Yeah, it was fantastic. You know, it, much needed. We had such a busy fall. For whatever reason, it felt like we were more on the go this last fall than almost any other. Um, but we we just, we were home, which was great. No travel, didn't have to get on a plane, didn't have to jump in a car. We just stayed home and our kids made it back from Dallas where they live now. And so it was just a nice uh, family weekend. That's good. Well, saw you and Jen walking on the courts a couple nights ago at Moby. Uh, tried to yell down to you, but you are, you're the mayor shaking hands and, and entertaining people. But uh, another fun game at Moby. Uh, this team just continues to take care of business, even yeah. with uh, injuries and whatnot and students out of, out of town. So uh, it was good to get that win. Yeah. We're, we're starting to get back to full strength with the roster. Good to see Jalen Lake back on the court. It sounds like Josiah Strong is going to work his way back in the lineup here pretty soon. So now the key is just to remain healthy and keep playing as well as we have been playing. You know, I felt like New Mexico, they're as good as a team we're going to see all year probably. So hopefully uh, just got to win all the games in Moby. So that's going to be important for people to show up. And I felt like the crowd, you know, our announced attendance was a little over 5,100, but to me, it felt bigger than that. So I was going to ask you about that. We, we need to do an audit. That seemed a lot bigger. Yeah, I I thought so as well. So I, I didn't really dig into it, but that's what that's what we kind of pushed out on game day, you know, on an internal text message. Um, but people were people were loud. People have made a difference too. I think so. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what happens now. We've asked it the last couple of months, but uh, with the success, everyone's panicked. Like, what do we got to do to keep Nico? And and right now, we're you're you're just embedded in the season, enjoying the ride, right? But um, we had Nico on, I think it was just the week before we had you on last month and and asked them a lot of great questions about what what makes you tick, what makes you want to stay at a place. And I think we talked about this last month with you, but he basically said, you know, I would love to see CSU basketball become the fabric of Fort Collins and 
just can continue to see it grow and have people just hop on board and pack the arena every night and continue to see investments in the program and in the arena and, and coaches salaries and things like that. So um, is this stuff that's just constantly on your mind or do you truly just say, look, you know, um, we, we wait till the end of the season and, and we discuss any retention models then. It's always on my mind. Um, you know, we've, we've got the, the good fortune right now to, you know, when we renewed and extend and had that last conversation with Nico, you know, we, what we did was a, a five-year term, but we put uh, three one-year extensions. in. so um, this year when exercised, it'll put him on, on five years remaining on his current, current deal. Um, so really that, that contract got us, you know, possibly to, to really an eight year term. Um, and those, <clears throat> those renewal extensions can take place anytime after July or January 1st. Um, and it does not have to be mutually agreeable. So either party can inform the other that they intend to exercise that one year extension. Um, I think first year I did it, second year Nico did it, and the third year is yet to happen. But you know, you can imagine that that's likely to occur. Um, <clears throat> and then, and then I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do in season. It's always kind of difficult to really talk intensively. You know, I mean, Nico's got a job to do. He's going to remain focused. You know, we've got to do what we can to continue to support him through the remainder of this season. But I would envision a time as, as we get close to the end of the season, um, to, to start talking about what, what we need to do to, continue to enhance and build the program. Um, uh, you know, you, you, you look back, we, we, we talk a lot about how, you know, what can we do to model Gonzaga? You know, they, they, uh, they've been a program that's been remarkable in their ability to continue to grow it and sustain it. And, you know, it takes resources. It takes, I think in their case, they had, um, you know, strong alignment within the leadership model, of the university and athletics and the coaching uh, leadership. So continuity, I think, is in, important in those moments. Um, you know, a shared common vision is, uh, you know, we've done a really nice job of, of you know, being able to provide the things that Nico has said is important. You know, we we uh, did the, the basketball locker room um, renovations, really, really new locker rooms. There wasn't anything over there on that side of the arena. And, you know, if people haven't seen those spaces, you know, we, we published them, you know, images on social media, but that put us at the high watermark of the Mountain West Conference for sure, I think, in, in locker room facilities. Um, you know, so you just got to continue to find ways to build and enhance. Um, you know, thankfully, the Green and Gold Guard is doing some really good things um, to help our student athletes in the NIL space. We got to continue to grow that. And, uh, you know, that's becoming increasingly more important across all of our programs. To, to show, you know, an ability to um, support students through that, that, uh, you know, now, you you know, no longer really unique opportunity, but it's been with us for over two years now. So it's, you know, that's got to continue to, to, to move forward. And, and in our case, you know, we, you know, I, I hope people understand this, you know, we, we, we are who we are, right? I mean, we're, we're Colorado State, we're not, you know, our budget's $52 million a year across the board to support 16 varsity programs. You know, uh, you know, people are responding to wanting to be in Moby Arena to support this program. But, you know, we haven't we haven't had consecutive years of sellouts with, you know, increasing season ticket, you know, you know, revenues. So, you know, we all got to do our part and uh, and just kind of figure out a way to to, to, you know, continue to grow the program. And that's what we'll talk about as the season ends. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we can continue to put compelling uh, programming together that keeps, you know, Nico and his staff engaged around this, you know, but you always have to plan for contingencies too. So, you know, we'll, we'll deal with whatever occurs and, and we'll manage through it. And, you know, fortunately when you have successful programs, you know, it, you know, even if you have a coaching departure, you've left it in a better position and, and hopefully that's a, a uh, you know, a springboard to, to, you know, a, a continued enhanced future. Right. A quick question on um, who, 
who mans the shot clock at Moby? Is that one of our volunteers? Is part of someone on the official officiating staff? Because it seems like we've had a few issues with the shot clock, and we had one again the other night. But I was just curious, as um, as as I don't know, who is that? Someone on that just a volunteer in the arena? Yeah, it's a it's a combination of our, our volunteer crew and then our own full time staff that that manages that. Um, you know, Matt Selji does a great job. He's kind of the the main game day management uh, person. So when you see the officials come up, you know, to the the uh, DV Sport replay system, you know, he's a fellow that's turned the monitor around for the officials to take a look at. And, you know, I don't, I think we've had some issues with, you know, kind of the system itself. Um, you know, so we're, you know, much like, you know, and it, it, that's a mission critical activity, obviously, but much like the sound system and, you know, our aging video board, you know, there's just, you know, at some point you've got to be able to make the capital investment to upgrade those systems so that they can t continue to, you know, serve at the highest level possible. And I think we're, we're probably hitting a po point where we got to do a full holistic review of all those things and put a plan in place to make sure that, that, uh, you know, we don't have any, any critical failures that have a deep impact on, on, on a, a contest for sure. I had a question on, um, and this has been a consternation on the message boards, but how do the, the TV basketball selections work? Is it at the beginning of the year, there's a, a hierarchy. FS1 says we want this, this, and this CBS sports takes the next. And then it's just set in stone for the season. There's no flexibility it seems that way because these are next three, games are all on the mountain west network streamed and so i know that's a little annoying considering we're a top 13 team in the country and we want to be seen across the, the country a little bit more yeah 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 they they've got to make a little bit of a forecast with a crystal ball at the beginning of the season on how they're going to manage the, the broadcasting schedule you know and there's not you know once it's set there's really not much flexibility that they can adjust to um you know so so hopefully if we continue to have success through this season, that that'll have impacts on, on how they, you know, make their selections next year. And, and we don't see the situation that we're in this year with, with a lot of the, as you point out, next three games on stream. <clears throat> um, along those lines, I did see that the women's team has, when they're on the Mountain West network, they have a few games that are picked up by local three channel mm -hmm. endeavor. How, yep. why is that not an option for some of these men's games? Is that just at their discretion? Or is it something you could push? It, it, it's at their discretion. You know, we, we do reach out to, you know, every partner that might, might have an interest. You know, we, Chris Ferris has done a nice job in developing that relationship with, with uh, local three, um, you know, it came to us through a, another relationship that, that really unfortunately remained in place for I think a, a year or two that was with, Avaca, you know, they were kind of a startup sports broadcasting entity and, and, uh, you know, ultimately they, they closed down, but, but they helped us open up that relationship with local three. And so we'll, we'll still be able to explore those opportunities. I mean, is there any chance, is there any chance that some of these games coming up could get flexed onto channel three? Um, possibly. Yeah. I know, I know. Chris and Kyle Neves have had some conversations. I, I saw some email threads going around about, about, uh, you know, some interest. Um, but, you know, the answer is if you want to watch CSU basketball, maybe you should just make your way up to Fort Collins and, and. Uh, well, it's hard to get to Logan and then Boise and then Laramie <laughs> in the next two weeks. Yeah, I, I got it. I got it. You know, the guys, I, I saw them jump on the bus uh, about midday. They're heading down the DIA to fly and they're going to be out for six days. So, wow. Hopefully they packed enough clean underwear to make it through the trip. <laughs> so right. that was a question that somebody had for me. Well, the basketball team will stay, we'll go to uh, Boise after Logan. Yeah. So, you know, we're obviously we're, you know, school doesn't start till the uh, Tuesday after Martin Luther King day. So just more efficient to keep them out on the road instead of bringing them back and sending them out again. So we'll, pay for some extra hotel nights, but they'll, they'll be able to manage no school makes it a little bit easier to have a decision like that. Well, the, the TV thing, I mean, for us, once you figure out the app, 
you know, it's really nice to have the Mountain West just on a Roku just comes right up in your TV anyway. But you you think about the the average or the casual viewer that is not going to log into an app right there. They're, they're going to want to scroll through on a TV. So it would be great to uh, to see some of those games picked up. But um, big stretch coming up for hoops. I want to ask you about the the recent announcement that o- OSU, uh, Oregon State and Washington State are going to put their non-football programs into the west coast conference and what implications you think that has i for me i think that's a sign that they're not real gung-ho about backfilling a pac-12 or just merging with the mountain west and probably are leaving the door open for hand-picking schools to rebuild that pac-12 or how how do you read that and why do you think that they went that route yeah i think they're still you know they're, they're trying to create as much flexibility for a future that they may have some control over that they possibly can. Um, you know, they've, they've gotten a couple favorable rulings from the courts on how they're going to manage the, the disillusion of the PAC 12 and possibly who's going to control and, and, you know, be making the, the main decisions on how to divide up, you know, revenue and then <clears throat> the assets. Uh, so, so y- yes to all the above, Joel, you know, I, I, I I think too. I haven't had a recent conversation with anyone from either of those campuses, but you know, I, I think with you know everyone anticipating you know some movement maybe with the ACC. Do they expect that you know there'll be opportunities created that they may be able to take advantage of possibly? So you know maybe that's why they want to at least in the next uh, you know twelve to eighteen to twenty four months you know keep keep flexibility in their own decision-making. Um, everything that I've heard is, you know, there's really probably little or no interest from the Big 12 in taking any of those remaining two schools, um, you know, but but does the instability in the ACC, you know, create some opportunity? Maybe, um, you know, for us, we're, you know, what we always have to do, you know, whether it's CSU or the broader Mountain West, we just got to be the best version of who we can be, you know, and the fact that we've got, you know, great basketball being played in our league right now, you know, that, that you know, just before the start of conference play, the top five programs had a an aggregate uh, win-loss uh, results or, or record of 56 and six. So, you know, we're playing incredible basketball out here in the Western United States in the Mountain West Conference and just got to keep doing that and, you know, continue to build our football programs and our women's basketball programs and the volleyball programs and all the other ones. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the future brings. Did that decision catch Mountain West leadership off guard a little bit? Or are you off guard or was it surprising? No, not, not at all. We, you know, we, we had conversations about football first, um, you know, part of me, and I think I may have said this in one of the previous podcasts, you know, I mean, I, I like the idea that we're helping, you know, ultimately, you know, I think it's, but, but really at some point, you you know, the collegiality has to stop and you just got to force them, you know, if ultimately we want, you know, an integrated uh, league, um, you know, we, you got to make it difficult for them, you know, we're going to compete with them next year in football. So, you know, you want to see them level set to our resource um, abilities as soon as possible. You know, the more that they've got to pay coaches and and do enhance things beyond what we're able to do, that that's you know creating competitive advantage for them. Mm-hmm. When it came to basketball, um, the the ads had a discussion with conference leadership, and we we actually asked them to tap the brakes a little bit. Um, you know, it didn't make complete sense to because their interest was affiliate membership so unlike a scheduling alliance they wanted to be able to participate for our conference championship they wanted to you know be able to earn the aq um and and we we've got great basketball within our own peer group and so it just didn't seem right to kind of open up that scheduling model to them, particularly in an affiliate membership um, uh, way. So, you know, they they had talked about it for a while. The, if it had been sort of a combined deal, football, men's basketball, women's basketball, 
um, it was going to be a, a fifteen million dollar, um, you know, consideration to to do that scheduling. So really, the value of basketball was about a million because we're going to get fourteen for the scheduling alliance on the football side. So you know, the, the dollars weren't as meaningful, and it felt like we were giving up a lot of, uh, you know, who we are, who we've been, and and you know, to to, to extend a lifeline to them. And I think. Ultimately, those kind of conversations and then what they felt was their in their best interest. I think they were able to do what they did with the WCC at a at a lower number than the million that they were going to commit to us uh, to open up the basketball options. And so I, I think we're all satisfied in what what's happened and where we're at. Any word on on conference dates for next year? I know a lot of fans, myself included, like having that schedule out so we could start planning for next fall. Uh, not yet, Mike. I, I, you know, we've, we've kind of made a commitment over the last two cycles to try and at least get identified weekends with home and away opponents established, you know, knowing that, you know, you can slide from Saturday to Friday or whatever is happening based on TV's needs. Um, so I would, I would expect that, you know, it's usually, you know, we might have a draft in hand that's not ready for public consumption in early March and then, you know, probably ready to publish late March, early April is usually, I think the time frame that we're on. So, and we always ask the conference office, can we, can we, you know, can we move it forward? Because, you know, yeah, we, we like to work with certainty and it helps us in our planning and as we market season tickets and many plans and group sales and all those things, you know, the more, more information we can share, the more likely it is we can close sales. Are you happy with the, um Oregon State edition next year yeah I thought that worked out well um yeah you know we um you know we we got the inaugural game in Canvas Stadium uh that first game against Oregon State was a home game if you remember that was a home and home mm -hmm. we the, the return the return blew up in 2020 when right. COVID kind of disrupted all sorts of things uh, we, we never really got the game back on the schedule. There's never really been discussions to do that. I don't, I don't think we'll ever revisit it. So it, in a way it feels like, you know, we're just, we're doing something that we would have been committed to anyways. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I think they will be a great opponent. I've actually never been to Corvallis. I mean, I worked in the pack 10 for two football seasons, but never, never made it to Corvallis. So for me, it'll be a new campus to see and explore and, you know, should be should be a fun game for us. Do you um was was there any heartburn that you know of across the the league with maybe some of the games that teams lost? Maybe they lost a a more uh, manageable opponent, for instance, and then instead are going on the road to play like watch. Was there any like heartburn with any situations that you know? I mean, it seems like you're not gonna be able to make everybody happy with the situation, but. For us, it seemed to work out. I wonder if there was any bad issue. Um, I, not not that it was really, you know, that, that reached it to any discussion within the ADs. There, there may have been, you know, a select campus or two that, you know, opened up direct dialogue with the conference office about, you know, what they saw as maybe not, you know, ideal for them. Um, so, yeah, I, I know, I think Boise State, uh, they, they had games scheduled with, I think it was Oregon State or Washington. I think it was Oregon State, and that for me it was Washington State. I, I just know that they were they were working on some things so that if it was Washington State or Oregon State, they could preserve their rival. You know, either the Civil War or the 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 uh, Apple Cup. But, mm -hmm. but no, I didn't. I don't remember anyone saying, you know, that they were experiencing a, a great deal of unhappiness about the way things. That's good. Um, well, I want to get your opinion on the ugliness of college football this year, particularly, I mean, it really came to a head in the bowl season. I've never seen a bowl season like so meaningless this year. Obviously the two playoff games were, were nice, but I think the combination of NIL and players opting out for the NFL and players transferring because of the transfer portal window before bowl games just made a lot of these games really bad. And, um, I just wonder with with all the fallout that's happened 
And a lot of grumbling when you're starting to hear it from coaches and athletic directors as well is do you envision that there's going to be some sort of push for reform in this area and maybe see if the NCAA will actually do something to police all this business like they're supposed to be? Yeah. Um, well, much of it is sort of outside the NCAA, right? Because they don't have a lot to do with with football, particularly CFP, and then you know how that trickles down into the the bowl bowl games. And I guess you know we could we could monkey with transfer windows and when the portal opens, when the portal closes. Um, I you know I I, I probably shouldn't jump up on the soapbox, but you know I mean. Every, Everyone, you know, everyone wanted a lot of flexibilities for students to move freely within the marketplace. Everyone, you know, and I'm not going to ever challenge or disagree with, you know, the the true pure concept of NIL. Um, but, you know, everyone felt that that was a, a great idea. But I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, the amateur model that we used to practice that was very much focused on education is being challenged in so many ways and it's always the unintended consequences that get revealed that that you know make you question you know where you are at and how you got there and uh you know i i i don't know sometimes i feel like the the media you know i, I can't really call sometimes a true partner but i think they're they're one of the most disingenuous actors in this whole space because they've pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, you know, the narrative of, you know, unpaid labor, you know, these kids deserve more, you know, it's not enough. And I, and I get it, you know, when you, when you move in the direction that we have for, you know, coaching compensation and even administrative compensation, you know, you know, there's gotta be some consideration for the students beyond maybe the, the traditional scholarship, but, but, you know, all of those, forces delivered what we're seeing right now and i don't know if there's enough consensus amongst decision makers to try and tighten it up and put more guardrails around it and more rational um you know framework but it seems like every time we make an attempt to do that then the plaintiff attorneys step forward find a class action group to mobilize a lawsuit and then we're back where we once were before so i joel i have no answers for you i'm as disappointed as anyone um i i i hope that with the expanded playoff you, you know as as those games get integrated into the current bowl system that maybe it brings back some more um you know life to the postseason that it you know creates more meaning and, and and I also think, you know, now I, I say this, we haven't made a bowl game in, you know, several, several seasons, but hopefully we get that corrected next year. You know, I, I, I look at what I saw with some of these programs and it, in some ways, it's a statement on the health of your culture. You know, if you've got um, students that are really, truly committed to playing and representing their school and, you know, being playing alongside their teammates and the brotherhood that's hopefully shaped by football, then uh, why would you want to give up an opportunity to compete with your teammates? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you spend your whole life, you know, trying to put yourself in a position to play college football. So why would you, why would you bypass one more opportunity to do that? So I, I hope what we have here at CSU and we reach that moment in time that, you know, we'll see everyone actively raise their hand and say, absolutely, you know, I want to, I want to play this game. I want to embrace an opportunity to compete with my teammates and under the, the tutelage of these coaches and, and go out and earn a victory. Well, you said it perfectly. Actually, we, Mike and I hosted uh, Brady Hall's show the other day and uh, when in his absence, and I, I made a similar comment. I just don't understand if you, if you live for football and, and this is a love of yours, how do you sit out the final possible game of your Call it collegiate career and then abandon your teammates. And, you know, a lot of these guys are probably making NIL money and they're sitting out like the biggest game of the last game of the season. And they're playing the 12th game and the 11th game of the season that aren't any more meaningful than a bowl game. So it's yeah. very, very strange. It's, it's football's got itself in a really bad spot right now. And can the, the playoff 
change that next year and improve things, I, I think it'll have a positive effect. But how will how will the rest of the bowl games, you know, be yeah. so yeah. who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and maybe, you know, maybe they do develop a you know, some kind of model that, that allows, you know, NIL participation, and that's an incentive for someone to go ahead and play the game. You know, I mean, that's been talked a lot about. Nick Carparelli, who's, you know, oversees the 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 non-CFP bowls, you know, he, he uh, you know, he floated that model, I think, last week a little bit, sort of talked about it and talked through it, and even adjustment in the transfer portal window, you know, they're, they're not going to make that decision just because of the bowl games, but you know, I think everything's subject to scrutiny and a little bit of, you know, tweaking to try and keep it going. You know, I think college football is, you know, my opinion is, you know, one of the best experiences for the participants and, and for the people that, you know, choose to spend their time and resources, you know, as, as an option for, you know, the forward facing sports entertainment piece. So I, I hope that, you know, as we tinker with it, we don't, we don't erode and destroy it and make it something less than it is today. So we had, um, we had Chad Savage on uh, a few weeks ago and he had some really, he's really engaging and fascinating. And we had asked him kind of the importance of the green and gold guard and NIL and, and, and what that does for helping retain student athletes. We've had you on and, and you've also spoke about that, but you're also in a unique situation where you've got, yourself you've got people on staff that are probably held to a metric of fundraising right where their their role is to bring in money for the athletic department and we're asking fans to get involved with green and gold gar we're asking fans to donate to athletics um at how do you balance you know the importance of each because you're probably like hey we need money in athletics we understand the importance of the green and gold guard and money going to the nil and the student athletes how would you tell a fan, um, you know, where they should place the importance if they had to choose one or the other? Yeah. Um, let me, I'm going to back up and kind of offer a broader perspective and then cl get closer to the, the answer that you're looking for. Um, you know, you, you, you did, I think, frame it really well. We, we, you know, there's there's still this traditional experience of being a student athlete that we've got to figure out a way to continue to fund and enhance, right? So that's going to require resources, and you know, probably more than we have today. We'll need more tomorrow, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, we want to we want to make the very best traditional experience we possibly can, and 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 our at our level of play. Um, and, and I hope people understand this and take it the right way. Um, you know, we, we're, we're not competing for roster members that Alabama is looking at or Florida or Georgia or Texas or Michigan or Ohio state. Right. I mean, there, there is still a hierarchy out there of, you know, highly tradition brands that have demonstrated decades, if not decades, century, centuries or more of performance that they're going to fill their rosters with the highest level of talent in the NIL world, just like they did before NIL. And for us, I think where NIL plays a big, big role is, you know, we're always going to find great kids, high character kids, we're going to put them into our systems on any one of our rosters. We're going to develop them as students and athletes. And we've got to, we've got to see if we can get enough community response to support NIL where we make the experience sticky. It in that, you know, it, it, I'm convinced that, you know, for a lot of our students, they hit the fourth week of the month and the budget's tight. And they're waiting for the next stipend check to be delivered to them via direct deposit. And if there's NIL activity in the community that can support them, then that extra 500,000, 1,500, 2,000 a month, whatever it might be, bridges that gap and takes the sting away. And when they evaluate the entire experience, it's going to make them, I think, hesitant to disrupt all these knowns, you know, I love my coach, love my teammates. 
I believe in what we're trying to do. We're winning. Love Fort Collins. Love my degree program. You know, I've got a circle of friends outside of athletics that that appreciate me as a person. And, you know, I've got enough NIL that every, every you know, fourth week of the month, I'm not, you know, eating ramen noodles and trying to figure out, you know, where where my, uh, you know, how I bridge the gap to my next scholarship check. And, and I think that stickiness is what will allow us to preserve our, our rosters and the talent that we develop. And that's, that's where we've got to get our community to understand. And I've talked to so many people, you know, I don't think there's, you know, there's not a lot of folks that want to help a young person, you know, buy an exotic vehicle, right? You know, but I, and, and maybe that's going to occur at Alabama or, you know, other places, but that's not, I don't think that's the identity that we can shape around our athletic program. And then I think there will be occasions where we have uber talented kids that really differentiate themselves from other teammates in higher profile positions that, that, you know, could take a really attractive offer at another school and pivot out for, you know, a big big NIL payday. And in those cases, I think we've got to figure out a way to get the community to respond to, to not match that kind of, you know, activity, but, but at least do something probably a little more enhanced. So again, it makes it sticky. And, and cause I think, you know, we've seen examples all the time now, not all the time, but, you know, in the last two, three years where, you know, a student leaves and then they, they, they aren't even playing, right. They're not even getting the reps that, you know, help them develop and, and, you know, find satisfaction as being a student and an athlete. And, and certainly they're not getting enough reps to develop, to, you know, play at the next level. Um, you know, I mean, survey our basketball program, you know, we, we had a player leave last year that I haven't checked lately since the conference schedules have ramped up, but, you know, he, he was, he was getting, you know, less than a third of the minutes that he was here, you know, and, probably won't see much conference play. So, so I, I think as those stories build, you know, it, it begins to make people hesitate a little bit and think twice, you know, I really like it here. really like my coach. I, I have a very fulfilling defined role and, and do I want to risk it all for the promise of higher NIL, you know, so, that's a long, long answer, but it, you know, it's not yeah, let's put here's a little bit. We've had enough NIL talk, Joel. Stop it. Sorry. Um, any updates on the uh, soccer facilities? Uh, yeah, I'm looking out at it right now. I mean, the, the, you know, it's time of year where grass is brown, but um, I think the sod on the the half of the competition field that we had to replace is taken. And, you know, so it's, it's in great shape. It'll be ready for uh, spring and summer and, of course, fall play. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. It was, I mean, the whole setup's pretty cool, but it'll be awesome to be back over on that side where the stands are at. Um, as we look back on the fall, uh, what were some of the things that you saw that, you know, we, you w- we wish that we could have done differently, uh, had different outcomes, and then what were some of our highlights for you in, in the fall competition across all sports? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, we women's cross country won the conference championship, so that was remarkable. Um, You know, it's something we want to at least earn one championship every year. You know, hopefully multiple, and we we got some opportunities this spring to to do more of that. Uh, Volleyball under you know first year head coach Emily Cohen, I thought she she has high expectations for her program. You know, she wants to meet and exceed past team performance. You know, so. She's working hard to to kind of get that level of play and and uh, build build the talent on her roster to do that. You know, I thought it was great that she was able to finish, you know, as one of the top teams in the regular season and then, you know, make it into the championship game. You know, shame that we weren't able to close out and you know move move uh, into the NCAA, but but uh, you know, really felt very satisfied by her and her performance and she'll, she'll continue to build it in the right way. Um, you know, soccer, this was the third season under, under coach Hagan and uh, to make the championship game was a tremendous step for us. And, you know, 
again, you know, wished we could have figured out a way to win that final match, but, but uh, something to truly build upon, um, you know, foot football, um, you know, I reflect back on the season and, you know, there's probably two games that, you know, could have, should have won. And there's probably two games we could have, should have, you know, different outcome than the win we had. Uh, so, you know, you, you just got to take it as it is. I think Jay has done a great job in putting the foundation in place for, for what I believe is going to be future greatness for this football program. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like the health of the roster as far as talent and distribution of numbers across the position room rooms are where they need to be. I think they've really developed and, and flexed the muscles of leadership in each of the position rooms. And there's a lot of solidarity across the leadership council on and a lot of buy-in and understanding of what what it's going to take to to win in a high level. Um you know, so I, I, I'm proud of the football program and where they're going, you know, but, you know, still very disappointed just as Jay and the team is that we didn't find a way to win the Hawaii game so that we could have extended the season and gotten 15 additional practices and a, and a, a chance to compete because I think that could have been a, a, a huge step for the development of this program for 2024. But now we're just going to have to figure out a way to you know, squeeze that level of development out of the, the spring practices and, and what's going to occur as they, as they train against each other. You got a hard stop here in a few minutes? Uh, no, I'm actually good. So Okay, good. I got yeah. a couple more questions I wanted to squeeze in. A couple questions from guys on the board. Um, someone had mentioned, and I, we hear this a lot too, but someone said that there is a Darth of an absence of good quality CSU athletics gear you know, throughout the state at stores. And and I, I haven't noticed this. I usually buy mine online. I'll go to the CSU bookstore somewhere where all the best selection is. But um, what drives that? Is it is it our our partner, Under Armour? I mean, they're not putting out enough items or how, how do we get a better selection in places outside of the CSU bookstore? Is that anything that's on CSU to help with? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like so many things and people hate it when I say this, but there's a shared responsibility, right? You know, I mean, um, you know, we, we work hard to get vendors to produce licensed products. We work hard to uh, get retailers to stock product. We've got a partner in that effort, um, the collegiate licensing company that helps us. We, we had for a while an in-house resource that that worked um, that was a CLC employee, but but really, you know, a position that was funded by us to try and grow our our uh, you know presence at retail and and try and expand into sort of lifestyle offerings, you know, kind of beyond sideline gear. COVID was, you know, we, we you know that was a, an area that we needed to economize in a little bit. We haven't looked to you know, replace that position, but ultimately it's going to be the, the consumer demand that's going to pull it through the channels and, and begin to, you know, you know, create demand where it isn't right now. And so if people say it's not there and it's not present, you know, there's a very, if you took econ 101, you know, there's a supply and demand curve and, and uh, you know, you know, whatever's at retail right now needs to be purchased so that, you know, they see that they're going to make their money from those items. And and that requires people to, you know, if, if you walk into a store and you're a Ram and you don't see what you want, then, you know, go talk to someone, you know, and ask them where it is and why, why it's not there. And, and th those kind of conversations over time can, can help create leverage for us as we look to expand. Um, so, you know, but there, you know, we, we, We've got the Ram zone, um, you know, we, we've got, you know, the online presence for the Ram zone, you know, the bookstore, you know, we, we don't have the same uh, campus partnership that we once had, but, but they're still, you know, doing good work over there at the Lori Student Center. And they have an online presence, I think, too. Um, so it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it it's as I said before, you know, it's it's kind of a shared responsibility. 
and, and Under Armour's changed their model quite a bit too. So they're they're not, you know, they're they're not in the same position. I don't think at this point in time where they want to, you know, risk putting a lot of things in the channel that that may not move. Um, so, you know, they they've they're back to sideline gear and. You know, interestingly enough, you know, we're we're one of, you know, Hawaii used to be Under Armour, South Florida was. So they they don't have that many schools that have green as their primary color in their in their partner portfolio. So, you know, you see a lot of non-green items that we embellish with RAM head logos and things like that, just because we can't get the blanks, you know, from Under Armour because they're not producing them any longer. Mm. Uh, but they're still an incredible partner and, you know, you know, we need them in every way because they, they do a tremendous job of outfitting our teams and providing us with, you know, um, footwear and cleats and uniforms and all right. that stuff. So, right. Uh, and, and then one last one here from uh, John in Denver, he was asking, do you guys have a specific plan? I know there's seen things that we see when you come down and visit and you've got coaches caravans and things like that but do you guys have a plan around engaging with the denver fan and the lum base and what are some of the specific things that you guys may have in in mind for for this year yeah ab absolutely i mean it, it um you know marcus palace is is our new senior associate ad for development i think this is month seven for him he's a he's a ram grad um played football as a walk-on for a couple seasons he's done a really nice job and and you know, kind of rebuilding our, our development presence and Denver is going to be an important place for us to be. So it'll begin really with a lot of individualized meetings and small groups, you know, to kind of get things jump started in Denver. And then as we kind of create momentum, you know, we're, we're very open to, to, you know, trying to create larger format groups, but you know, those, those are good for engagement, right. But they don't really yield much of a return as it relates to trying to you know, build resources for our student athletes. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that we'll get overly invested in, in large group activities. I mean, where we find the most benefit for our student athletes, and that's who we feel most obligated to is, you know, having conversations about individualized support. You know, what, what can you do personally to help CSU athletics and our student athletes achieve their, their goals? So, um, you know, and then, you know, the broader piece of that, you know, we have great partnerships with the Alumni Association and Institutional Advancements. So we're always looking for ways to, you know, to extend ourselves into Denver, you know, through those partnerships, those campus partnerships. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'll go talk to anyone, you know, I mean, if you've got a group of people that are part of Ram Nation, that are active on the message boards that are asking for, you know, you know, access, you know, all you know, some weeks that I'm, I'm in Denver four days a week. So, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm available. People may not want to hear from me though. I don't know. You never called Mike or I, at least not me. Maybe Mike's getting an invite, but I'm just totally Hello. sitting in my, I'd love to have lunch with you, Joe. <laughs> you do this. I thought this might be enough. Hey man, we don't always have to talk like see if you grind All right. questions. All right. Well, I'll, we'll make a point of having a lunch. That sounds great. Are you buying? <laughs> That's on gold. Am I buying? <laughs> I, I can buy, Bill. I can buy. Do you like Taco Bell? I love Taco Bell. <laughs> give, give me a ultimate burrito or bean burrito any day. Yeah, it's, it's always good at 2 a.m. So, but my, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, what, you know, open to ideas, you know, I guess that's, that's the easy way, easiest way to put it. You know, Marcus has a team now that, that, you know, a few pretty young fundraisers, but you know, we're, we're out there, we're available. We want to engage. We want to, you know, we want to help everyone feel, you know, a level of, of uh, connectivity to, to CSU athletics for sure. Mike, you, uh, you got anything else that you want to try to parse through? Economic stats question. No, sorry, bud. Save that, that one for next way month. Too long of a question. We'll save that I one was, for next month. You know, we're we're working on football renewals right now. So, you know, if, if people have creative thoughts and ideas around, um, you know, opportunities there, you know, it, it's in. Hang on, I'll show you guys. Your listeners won't be able to see this, but I've got this book. Can you see it? Winning strategy. 
uh, it says winning. It's blurry. Is not a winning is oh. not a strategy. Oh, winning is not a strategy. We said last month that winning is a strategy. Well, that's right. So it was because of this book, right? So it's a friend of mine who wrote it, a, a game-changing approach to driving attendance. And the title is Winning is Not a Strategy. And I've, as I told you last time, <laughs> I've come to believe that winning is the only strategy. So, <laughs> so as you as you you know want more outreach and you want more engagement, you know, our 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 main goal is to put every one of our teams in a position to win because I'm convinced that's the the primary motivator of everyone that that uh, you know I mean shoot we had what almost 7200 people in the building for Adam State you know I mean that that was remarkable and that that, that doesn't happen unless the team's performing at the level they are right 100% you know, 8:30 kickoff against New Mexico like I said you know 5100 announced but it felt bigger you know I I I would expect that you know the remainder of the season you know you know, if we can continue to win, you know, we're going to, we're going to have more than, you know, two or three sellouts. So that, that'll be outstanding. And we, we got to do that in football. I understand it. Jay understands it, you know? Um, and I, and I think what we have done though, is we built the infrastructure within the department to capitalize on those inflection points when our teams do perform. Well, thing I'll tell I you this. Say, yeah. For those, for those, if you need tickets, if you want guaranteed tickets, for basketball at the end of the season, get one of those flex passes. Those are those are awesome. They got five, 10, 20, 20 game uh flex passes. If you don't have tickets already, that'll guarantee you a spot in the door. So yeah, yeah. And you know, I I, I kind of started this segment with the you know the idea of football renewals, you know, but we really, we really, you know, we've got to <clears> encourage everyone to renew. You know, there is a deadline. And if you miss the deadline, you know, you could still probably renew your tickets, but you're going to renew them at a higher season ticket cost. We made a commitment to our existing season ticket holders that we weren't going to raise prices. And that's only effective until we reach that renewal deadline. And at that point, you know, for people that are buying tickets for the first time or they uh, fail to respond by the deadline, it's going to be a higher season ticket price. And, you know, strong reminder, I, you know, see you as in that, in that season ticket bundle. And if you don't have a season ticket strip, if you're able to buy that ticket, it's going to be $130 for the game, that game only. So season tickets are the best value. And I hope people see that, you know, we've got to start to kind of build that base back up and, and uh, you know, team needs your support. So be a part of it. I think there's a lot of good things going on. I, you, you nailed it. It's sustained winning. Winning winning helps. Flash in the pan helps a little bit. But the sustained winning, which we're starting to see in basketball, is fantastic. And I think bigger than that is the people that you've brought into the university. I mean, the hires that you've made. Nico, it doesn't get much better as a person than Nico Medved or Jay Norvell and the coaches that they bring within them. And thus, the student athletes that they bring in, they're all very likable guys that you would want to root for. And I think that resonates. So uh, that's, that's, that's something for you to definitely hang your hat on Joe, because across the board in every program that we have here, it's just good people. And, and that will, that will pan out in the long run, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Good people, good coaches, and they, they understand the importance of winning. They sure do. So yeah. always appreciate talking with you, Joe. Look forward to seeing you here uh, for the rest of the home games. All right. Thanks guys. All right, that'll do it. I want to thank Joe Parker for joining us for 45 minutes and answering all of our questions as always. Really a pleasure to have him uh, be willing to share his thoughts with us on a monthly basis. Thanks to Mike Rowe for his time as well. Thanks all of you for listening. Have a great rest of your week and weekend. Let's go Rams and happy new year. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.